You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, April 18th, 2022. Coming up this hour. Russia surrounds the port city of Mariupol as the war in Ukraine intensifies. U.S. natural gas surges to a 13-year high. Jay Powell may reinforce bets that the Fed raises interest rates by a half percentage point next month. And Bank of America kicks off a busy week of earnings. New York's mayor and police commissioner address shootings in the city. Plus, officials in New Jersey are looking into a link between a high school and brain cancer. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanchner in sports. Heartbreak for the Nets. They lost at the buzzer in Boston. The Mets won 5 to nothing. And the Yankees lost 5 to nothing. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 106.1 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We are coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 23 points. Dow futures down 103. NASDAQ futures down 97. 10-year Treasury down 432 seconds. Yield 2.84%. They yield on the two-year 2.48%. NYMEX crude oil is down a quarter percent or 27 cents at $106.68 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.1 percent or $21.60 at $19.96.60 an ounce. And again, the yield on the 10-year treasury, 2.84 percent. Nathan. All right, Karen, we'll have more on the markets in a minute. First, the latest on the war. The Russian military has the port city of Mariupol surrounded as it prepares for a new offensive in the eastern Donbass region. Meantime, Ukrainian officials say at least six people have been killed in Russia strikes on Lviv. That's a western city that's been a haven for people fleeing the war. We get more in this report from Amy Morris in our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. In his daily address, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky reiterated his country's resolve to fight the Russian forces in the Donbass region, saying that peace talks with Russia have reached a dead end. Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shmyl tells ABC's This Week their forces remain ready to defend Ukraine, quote, to the end. We still are fighting and we have battle in uh, Donbass region right now, but we do not... Uh, do not have intention to surrender. Meanwhile, Ukrainian officials will be in Washington for this week's meetings of the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank to look for financial support. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Amy, thank you. President Zelensky is urging the President of the United States to visit Kiev and see the devastation for himself. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba says a meeting between the two leaders could pave the way for new supplies and weapons, as well as discussions on ending the war. We would be uh, happy to see him uh, in our country, and it would be an important message of support to us. And Foreign Minister Kuleba spoke on CBS's Face the Nation, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. White House aides have said they hope to send a senior official to Ukraine in the coming days. President Biden has said he wants to visit, but the White House says neither he nor Vice President Harris will make the trip. Well, the war in Ukraine is continuing to have an impact on energy markets, Karen. U.S. natural gas prices are trading at a 13-year high this morning. Suppliers are struggling to meet a post-pandemic surge in consumption. Well, turning to the economy now, Nathan, Jay Powell may reinforce bets that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates by 50 basis points next month. The Fed chair will speak at two events on Thursday, including a panel hosted by the International Monetary Fund. Ahead of that, the Fed issues its report card in the U.S. economy on Wednesday, and Bloomberg's Vinnie Dal Judice reports. The magnitude of upcoming interest rate increases may well depend on the Fed's economic intelligence. The Beige Book will provide fodder for next month's policy meeting. Inflation is running at the fastest pace since the early 1980s, and the prior Beige Book reported an elevated degree of uncertainty. Also on this week's economic calendar, variety figures on the property market, builder confidence, housing starts, and existing home sales. Rising mortgage rates are an issue. Vinny Dell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. Now, history suggests the Fed will face a difficult task in tightening monetary policy enough to cool inflation without causing a recession. Let's get more on that live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. There's about a 35% risk of a recession over the next two years. That's according to Goldman Sachs. Economists there say the Fed's main challenge is to reduce the gap between jobs and workers and slow wage growth to a pace consistent with its 2% inflation goal. They say the Fed would need to do that by tightening financial conditions enough to reduce job openings without sharply raising unemployment. But achieving a so-called soft landing may be tough. Historically, large declines in the gap in the U.S. have only occurred during recessions. And Goldman's chief economist says a recession is not inevitable because post-COVID normalizations in labor supply and durable goods prices will help the Fed. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thank you. Well, turning to the equity markets, much of Europe, along with Australia and Hong Kong, remain shut for Easter, but earnings remain in focus, with nearly 70 companies in the S&P 500 reporting this week. As Bloomberg's Shanali Basik reports, banks will once again be front and center this morning. As Bank of America reports earnings today, investors will keep an eye on whether net interest income will continue to rise as interest rates rise, or will interest rates start to impact consumer demands for loans. Trading has also held up at most of the major banks, despite investors' fears of a major slowdown. Will Bank of America also be able to keep steady in equities trading and fixed income and commodities, as some of the other banks have started to benefit more than investors expected? In New York, I'm Shanali Basic, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Shanali. Nolly, thank you. Shares of Twitter are higher in early trading as the Elon Musk saga continues. Over the weekend, Musk said the economic interests of Twitter's board are not aligned with shareholders. Musk tweeted those comments after the social media company took steps to ward off his takeover attempt. 
Well, Nathan, shares of China's DD Global are down more than 20 percent. The company said it will hold an extraordinary general meeting next month to vote on delisting its shares from the New York Stock Exchange. It's a sign the right-hailing giant is heeding Beijing's call to address concerns about how its data is handled abroad. And turning to the pandemic, Karen, Shanghai has reported its first deaths in the midst of China's biggest COVID flare-up. Tens of millions have been barred from leaving their homes. That's led to criticism that China's zero-COVID policy is inflicting too heavy a social and economic toll. S&P futures now down 21 points, Dow futures down 94, Nasdaq futures lower by 91 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 607 on Wall Street. We're at 41 degrees in Central Park. We've got a crash on the southbound Taconic by Peekskill Hollow Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York City residents are still recovering from the terrifying shooting of 10 people inside the New York City subway and a subsequent 30-hour manhunt. It comes as many New Yorkers are sharing their fears of rising crimes in the city. New York Mayor Eric Adams says that people should stay vigilant when they encounter violence both on the street and on the web. I think social media uh, must step up. There's a corporate responsibility. Um, When we are watching hate brew online, uh, we could identify uh, using artificial intelligence and other methods to identify those who are talking about violence. New York City Police Commissioner Keechan Sewell agrees with Mayor Adams and praised the work of the entire city last week. We had a number of people looking for him, hundreds of detectives looking for him. But I think one of the key factors also is our force, force multiplier, which are the eyes and ears of our incredible New Yorkers, and we were able to bring him into custody. Commissioner Sewell and Mayor Adams spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. New Jersey officials are investigating a possible alarming link between cases of brain cancer and students and staff at Colonia High School in the town of Woodbridge, spanning about three decades. So far, 105 people have contracted brain tumors, about half of them cancerous. Environmental engineers are now testing the grounds for contamination. Dr. Arif Kamal is the chief patient officer for the American Cancer Society. The C- Any number in the dozens in any particular area, even over a period of 25 years, is highly unusual and and requires some investigation. Dr. Arif Kamal says the results are expected at the end of the month. Philadelphia is bringing back the indoor mask mandate today due to a rise in COVID infections. Other mandates are returning. Mask mandates are returning today to the University of Connecticut. A manhunt is underway for the gunman in another mass shooting, this one claiming two teenage boys in Pittsburgh at a crowded party in an Airbnb rented house. Eight others were wounded. Police believe a fight led to the drawing of multiple weapons. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Almost 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stashow. Thanks, Nathan. A lot of hype to this first-round playoff series that began in Boston. Game one did not disappoint for excitement. The Nets went from down 15 to up five. They were up one. When a Kevin Durant miss led to the final possession. Here's how it sounded. WBZ in Boston. Nine seconds to go. Jalen turns the corner on Dragic. Eight seconds. Kick out. Left side. Smart up fix. Finds the cutter. Tatum spins. Lays it up and in. To beat the buzzer. It's-
It's over. It's over. The Celtics have won the ball game at the buzzer. 115-114. Jason Tatum played all but three minutes, scored 31 points. Kyrie Irving poured in 39. He had 18 in the fourth quarter. Each shot he made seemingly was harder than the last one. Durant held the 23. He shot just 9 of 24. It's just an epic game one. And game two is Wednesday in Boston. The home teams all won. Miami easily over Atlanta. Milwaukee beat Chicago. Phoenix beat New Orleans. The Mets have now played three series. They've won them all. 5 nothing over Arizona at City Field as David Peterson and four relievers held the D-backs to five hits. Two-run homer for Pete Alonso. He's already got 14 RBIs to lead the league. Mets host the Giants tonight. Yankee bats again quiet in Baltimore. The Orioles won 5 nothing, scoring all five in the eighth inning. Yanks had only... Four hits, all singles. They struck out ten times. In two losses to the lowly Orioles, they scored one run in 20 innings. Golf at Hilton had Jordan Spieth at a long, late bunker shot to within inches of the hole, and that got him to a playoff. Spieth won the playoff over Patrick Cantley. John Stashower, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. Right now, S&P futures are down 20 points. Dow futures down 90. NASDAQ futures down 86. Most European markets are closed for this day after Easter. Ten-year Treasury is down 5.30 seconds. The yield 2.84%. Yield on the two-year 2.46%. The very latest on the war in Ukraine. We'll be checking in next with Bloomberg Executive Editor for International Affairs, Rosalind Matheson. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. We got frost fries and freeze warnings for the northwest suburbs and parts of Long Island. Mid 50s today. Sunshine returns tomorrow. We'll be in the mid 50s then as well. Currently 41 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are lower and Treasury yields are rising as investors weigh the prospects of faster policy tightening by the Fed. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 21 points. Dow futures down 95. NASDAQ futures down 88. Ten-year Treasury down 530 seconds. Yield 2.84 percent. The yield on the two-year 2.47 percent. NYMEX crude oil is down a quarter percent or 26 cents at $106.69 a barrel. Mex gold is up 1.1% or $21 at 1995.80 an ounce. The euro 1.0794 against the dollar. British pound 1.3011. And the yen is at 126.61. Bitcoin down 3.2% at $38,980. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, Ukrainian officials say Russian missile strikes on the western Ukrainian city of Lviv have killed six people. Lviv's regional governor said there were four strikes today. U.S. Treasury officials blame the IRS's outsized number of audits on low-income households on severe underfunding of the agency by Congress. They were responding to a study from Syracuse University showing households making less than $25,000 were almost three times as likely to get audited in tax year 2021 and those making 200000 to a $1 million. Meanwhile, don't forget, for most of us today is the tax deadline unless you file for an extension. 
Game one of their NBA playoff series, the Celtics beat the Nets 115-114. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. Global news, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thanks. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's get more now on what's happening in the war in Ukraine. We're joined live once again by Bloomberg News Executive Editor for International Government, Rosalind Matheson. Ros, good morning. Michael Barr just mentioned in the news reports of Russian missile strikes on the western city of Lviv. This is just about 50 miles from the Polish border. What does this say about where the war is going? Is Russia becoming more indiscriminate or is this a strategy potentially? Well, that's right. We had a bit of a pause in some of the missile attacks in the far western part of Ukraine, which is, as you say, very close to the Polish border. But a resumption in the last 48 hours of missile attacks in and around Lviv and also renewed missile and bombing attempts in and around sort of the, the greater Kiev area. And it seems like they're doing two things with that. One is they're trying to target infrastructure uh, particularly to weaken sort of access to fuel depots and so on for the Ukrainian military. And it's possibly also just a symbolic thing to remind the Ukrainian people of the reach of the Russian military uh, across the breadth of Ukraine. And that's after the Russians, of course, have suffered severe setbacks um, in the northern part of, of Ukraine. And then, of course, most recently with the loss of their flagship black flagship Black Fleet carrier, uh, the Moscow, which I sank last week. Uh, perhaps just to sort of to say to the Ukrainian people, even though we're concentrating our campaign in the eastern part of Ukraine, if we want to, we can still reach you anywhere. And we're also hearing and seeing reports of continued bombardment in the port city of Mariupol. We heard over the weekend from a number of Ukrainian officials saying that the city is all but destroyed. What could that mean for where this war goes from here? Well, that's right. The city has been basically on its knees for weeks and now fully encircled by Russian troops and yet hanging on, uh, still not falling to completely into Russian control. And a victory there for Moscow would be a big one uh, for Vladimir Putin in his war so far. It would be the biggest city by far that they've captured. It's a major port city in the east and it would give them a base there to really launch their Donbass offensive more broadly and would give them access to some big ports uh, they can control some of the grain trade and so on and really it would be symbolic at this point as well on top of all the losses that they've suffered so for Russia it's a huge win if they can actually gain control of that city but as you can see Ukrainian troops have been holding on and fiercely resisting uh, and at some point though it's probably just a matter of time before that city does fall. And they have been reporting as well that the Russians haven't taken any major cities even nearly two months into this war. Is the sense that the concentration by the Russian forces is going to remain in the eastern Donbass region and in the port city of Maripol, or is there still a concern that Russia could still try to take over all of the country, even with all the losses that they've suffered at this point? A takeover of the whole country seems very difficult because, of course, even the western part of Ukraine is particularly European. You could argue in certain parts of the east that there are sort of a strong sentiment still of sort of somewhat support for Russia in Donbass and elsewhere. So a full takeover would be difficult, none the least because Russian troops have been so depleted. 
uh, that, re- that reinforcements still would need to come, uh, and they probably need to get a victory at least initially for the Russian president in the east uh, in the next couple of weeks in the run-up to May 9, which is their anniversary of their victory day in World War II, so he's got something to show for it. So it's probably best if they really focus their efforts there and then regroup after that. But at this point, it's, it's, it's hard to see how they can extend much further beyond the areas in the east and the southeast that they seek to control as an initial step. Yeah, we are looking to May 9 as a potential pivot point in this war, Roz. In our last minute here, where could things be going in terms of negotiations? Obviously, we've heard from uh, both leaders saying that negotiations are at a dead end here. Is there anything happening behind the scenes that uh, our teams have been reporting uh, in, in terms of uh, talks between Russia and Ukraine? We do know that the video talks have been going on regardless. Those have been at more negotiator level um, than anything too serious. But we also know that the Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich has been in Ukraine, and he's been something of a mediator, a self-styled mediator perhaps so far in this conflict, but certainly attempting to sort of support uh, greater talks between Russia and Ukraine. And he's been back in Ukraine again the past few days, which is perhaps just a glimmer of hope that that, that we might get to a point where we can get uh, to the table again, at least at the foreign minister level sometime soon, but certainly really big obstacles to a fully-fledged peace agreement happening anytime soon. Thanks, as always, Roz. Good having you on with us. Rosalind Matheson, Executive Editor for International Government for Bloomberg News. S&P futures right now down 20 points. Dow futures down 93. NASDAQ futures down 86 points. And the 10-year Treasury is down 530 seconds, yield 2.84%. Just ahead, pressure on President Biden to visit Ukraine. And Bank of America wraps up big bank earnings. Five things you need to know to start your day just ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, frost advisories and freeze warnings for the far northwest suburbs and parts of Long Island will have a late rain possible with highs in the mid-50s. Sunshine returns tomorrow, right now 41 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers Global Analyst. It helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies that may have greater growth potential. Try IBKR Global Analyst today at ibkr.com slash GA. Up first, the war in Ukraine. Russian forces have encircled the port city of Mariupol, but defenders have yet to surrender. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin are at a dead end and tells CNN he hopes for a visit from U.S. President Joe Biden. I think he will. And I think he, but it's, it's, no, no, I mean, it, it's his decision, of course, and, and about the safety situation, it depends. 
Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky wants Biden to visit, but White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says neither the president nor Vice President Kamala Harris will make the trip. In the meantime, in Washington, Karen, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell is set to speak Thursday ahead of the U.S. Central Bank's quiet period. He may reinforce sentiment the Fed will raise interest rates by a half percentage point next month. The Fed's next meeting begins May 3rd. Well, as the Federal Reserve tightens monetary policy, Nathan, one major bank says there's more than a one in three chance the U.S. will enter a recession. And we get more live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. There's about a 35 percent risk of a recession over the next two years. That's according to Goldman Sachs. Economists there say the Fed's main challenge is to reduce the gap between jobs and workers and slow wage growth to a pace consistent with its 2 percent inflation goal. They say the Fed would need to do that by tightening financial conditions enough to reduce job openings without sharply raising unemployment. But achieving a so-called soft landing may be tough. Historically, large declines in the gap in the U.S. have only occurred during recessions. And Goldman's chief economist says a recession is not inevitable because post-COVID normalizations in labor supply and durable goods prices will help the Fed. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Turning to Wall Street, it's a busy week of earnings. Bank of America leads the way as nearly 70 companies in the S&P 500 report this week. And equity markets in much of Europe, along with Australia and Hong Kong, remain shut for Easter, Nathan. Natural gas surged to a 13-year high, raising concerns about a global fuel crunch and long-term inflation. Oil reversed earlier gains. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 42 degrees in Central Park. We have an accident on the inbound lower level, the 59th Street Bridge that Peter Van will tell you about in just a few minutes. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Many New Yorkers are sharing their fears about crime after last week's terrifying shooting of 10 people inside the New York City subway and a subsequent 30-hour manhunt. New York City Police Commissioner Keechan Sewell says that after the subway shooting, the NYPD will be putting a new emphasis on building greater ties with the community. We keep saying that public safety is a shared responsibility. This recent case illustrates just that, and everyone came together, so we need to build strength in our communities with the police. Mayor Eric Adams agrees with Commissioner Sewell and says crime is hurting big cities all across America. You know, I say over and over again, there are many rivers that feed uh, the sea of violence. Uh, this is a national issue. It's not a red state, blue state. In fact, red states uh, experience a higher murder, murder rate uh, than uh, blue states. Mayor Adams and Commissioner Sewell spoke on ABC's This Week. We can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Two teens are dead and eight other people are wounded after a shooting at a house party in Pittsburgh. Police say it happened at a rented Airbnb. Investigators say there were roughly 200 people inside the home when the gunfire erupted. Police are still looking for the shooter. New Jersey officials in Woodbridge are investigating a possible alarming link between cases of brain cancer and students and staff at Colonia High School. In the past three decades, 105 people have contracted brain tumors, about half of them cancerous. Environmental engineers are now testing the grounds for contamination. Dr. Arif Kamal is the chief patient officer for the American Cancer Society. I'm pretty concerned, and if I were uh, a parent or a community member, I, I would want to know a little bit more about what's happening. Brain tumors are relatively rare. 
Dr. Kamal says the results are expected at the end of the month. Philadelphia is bringing back mask mandates today. It comes as there's a steady increase in cases for the BA2 subvariant of COVID-19 noted in many states. White House COVID-19 response coordinator Dr. Ashish Jha says just because this strain appears to be minor doesn't mean the threat from COVID as a whole disappears. The pandemic is not over uh, as much as we all wish it were. Um, we've, we're in much, much better shape than we were, but we've got to keep plugging away. Dr. Joss spoke on ABC's This Week, which can be heard Sundays on Bloomberg. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. Almost 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshaw. Thanks, Nathan. It's only game one. It's only a first-round series. Yet a classic yesterday in Boston between the Celtics and Nets. A taste of what could be a long series. The Celtics were up 15 in the third quarter, and then the Nets went up by five in the fourth. Boston pulled it out, 115-114 on a Jason Tatum layup at the buzzer. He's set up by a Marcus Smart pass, and Tatum able to twist away from Kyrie Irving, who in defeat put on a show for the Nets in the fourth quarter. 18 fourth quarter points, many of Kyrie's shots with a high degree of difficulty. The playoffs, so there's a level of efficiency that you want to have uh, throughout the possessions that you're able to play uh, in a game like this. So I was just really zeroed in on what the mission was, what the goal was, and that was just to play our best basketball, weather the storm. Uh, deal with the ups and downs, know that they're going to make runs, we're going to make runs. Irving finished with 39, the ex-Celtic heard it from Boston fans, and he responded with a couple of middle finger salutes. Game two, Wednesday in Boston, the Mets won 5 nothing. while the Yankees lost 5 nothing. Mets and Diamondbacks scoreless until the sixth inning. The Mets won with a combined five-hit shutout, and they're off to a 7-3 and three start. Yankees and Orioles scoreless until the eighth. Nestor Cortez, terrific on the mound for the Yankees, struck out 12 in five innings. He had an immaculate inning in the four. Three strikeouts on nine pitches, and Cortez in two starts yet to allow a run. But Orioles broke the scoreless tie on a pinch single by ex-Yank Rugnet Odor. Jonathan Loaiza got so good last year out of the bullpen. He's got an 8.5 ERA this year, and the Yankees lose the series to the lowly Orioles. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thanks. 637 on Wall Street. Time once again to take a look at stocks and some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Creedy Gupta. On a down start to the week, Creedy, but uh, some stocks are moving thanks to one Elon Musk. Yes, he's certainly moving the market. Twitter, Tesla, they are all moving to the upside uh, for two separate reasons, though. Let's dig into it. Twitter shares, TWTR, up 2.3%. They were up as much as about 4% earlier in the session. So you do see a little bit of, um, of that momentum losing, but still up 2%, not too shabby. This comes after Elon Musk said the economic interests of the board are not aligned with shareholders. Meanwhile, uh, Twitter, the board on Friday, set up a shareholder rights plan in which if an investor acquires 15% of the stock, Without prior approval, it ensures that anyone can take control of Twitter through open market accumulation, and it pays shareholders an appropriate control premium. Nathan, that's a lot of fancy talk for just saying people can actively buy Twitter on the open market if they accumulate over 15%. Then uh, they have a little bit more control. What it does for Elon Musk is it means that it can potentially thwart its hostile acquisition bid. So instead of buying the company out directly uh, for a big amount, they say, well, you have to do this through the market and through uh, what the stock market is offering. 
offering. So you do see Twitter shares, TWTR, once again, seeing a little bit of a bid off of that, up about over 2%. Tesla, on the other hand, TSLA is your ticker, up 7 tenths of 1%, says it may restart production at a Shanghai factory as soon as late afternoon Monday. Now, we know that officials in Shanghai have been encouraging companies to restart production after halting uh, due to the city's strict lockdown. Now, of course, they also use closed-loop systems, which means that workers live on site at their factories and then leave the next day. Um, and now more than 600 firms have restarted operations, including Quanta Computers, which makes laptop for Apple. So we have to see if Tesla follows through on that plan. The expectation is late afternoon today. So in a couple hours, we'll know if that deadline holds true. TSLA up seven-tenths of one percent, Nathan. And speaking of what's going on in China, Creedy, look at ADRs this morning. And right on top in the early trading is Didi Global. DD Global, D-I-D-I is your ticker, down almost 20%. It was down as much as 24% earlier in the session. This comes after they agree to hold an extraordinary general meeting on May 23rd to vote on delisting its shares from the New York Stock Exchange. So that saga also continues. And speaking of saga, as we're talking about activist investors, Nathan, I'll give you one last one. Southwest Gas, SWX is your ticker, up seven-tenths of a percent after saying its board has authorized a review of a full range of strategic alternatives, including including a potential sale, saying that Carl Icahn is invited to participate. We know he's been very local, vocal excuse me, about uh, how they're going to spend their money and how they're going to raise it. So now he's very much a part of that process. SWX up 7 tenths of 1%. And always an activist investor to watch. All right, Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta with us this morning. S&P futures now down 18 points. Dow futures down 86. NASDAQ futures down 77 points. As we await earnings, many minute now, from Bank of America. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors. Challenging times call for proactive advisors who help minimize taxes, increase cash flow, and create opportunities for the future of your business. Visit Anshin.com. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and we've been watching Bank of America earnings crossing the Bloomberg. We're going to break those down in just moments from now. Futures this morning are moving lower, and we want to get the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the red right now. At Dow futures down 80 points. S&P's dropped 17, while NASDAQ futures decline by 72. The U.S. 10-yield at 2.85%. Gold is up 11. Oil is a little Changed, and Bitcoin is down by 3%. Japan fell 1.1% overnight while European markets are closed today. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 10 o'clock, the NHB Housing Market Index. Regarding earnings this morning, you mentioned Bank of America Q1 trading revenue XDVA beat estimates. And in other news, Goldman Sachs said the odds of U.S. recession are about 35%. Over the next two years, wrapping things up, Gap raised to equal over at Morgan Stanley. Wendy's was cut to market form over at BMO. Live from the first and breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen. All right, Bill, thank you. And here live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, SQUAWK. And again, more on those Bank of America earnings in just minutes from now. But first, you want to see what's going on around the world. And here's Michael Barr. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The Russian military says about 2,500 Ukrainian fighters are still holed up inside a steel plant in the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol. 
Ukrainian forces there defied Russian demands to surrender the plant. Officials say even though Mariupol remains under Ukrainian control, its residents are suffering unbearable conditions. North Korea says it has successfully test-launched a newly developed tactical-guided weapon. South Korea's military says it detected two launches. They are the latest in a series of tests by North Korea that outside experts say is meant to expand the country's nuclear arsenal. In Game 1 of their NBA playoff series, the Celtics beat the Nets 115-114. In the NHL, the Islanders lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg. Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's 649 on Wall Street, and we are watching shares of Bank of America with first quarter earnings crossing the Bloomberg terminal. They are up about 1% in the pre-market. Let's break down some of these numbers now. Allison Williams is with us, Senior Analyst for Global Investment Banks at Bloomberg Intelligence. Allison, we heard the headline from Karen and from Bill Maloney, first quarter trade Trading revenue with a, about a $400 million beat, uh, what else stands out to you? So they did beat in trading on um, both FIC and equities, so that's a positive. I think um, there's also a little bit of a relief perhaps related to their capital ratio. Um, you know, that's an area where we've seen some unexpected negative surprises um, this quarter just in terms of most people expecting those ratios, expecting book value to come down a little bit with um, some of the move that we've had in long-term interest rates. So that's um, that's a little bit of a relief on the net interest income side. Um, it looks about in line, but I think that, you know, for the net interest income, it's really going to be what we hear on the call in terms of the outlook. So I talked a little bit about Long-term rates are negative for capital, but short-term rates are very good for the earnings. So we'll hear a little bit about that. Um, the other area of focus is um, credit. They actually had a little bit of a net reserve release, so we've seen mixed trends there across the banks. I think part of that just depends on what their loan book looks like and what their expectations were in the quarter. But Bank of America did say that they did build reserves related to Russia, um, but despite that, they had a net reserve release, so that is similar to what we saw at Citigroup, um, both of those in contrast to the build that we saw at J.P. Morgan. It is interesting to hear Bank of America say that they did uh, put some in reserve due to exposure to Russia. Is that something of a surprise, uh, given where Bank of America stands in terms of its overseas exposure? No, I think the, you know, where, where they have, so they basically talked about the fact that they have no material direct exposure to Russia. Um, they did note about 700 um, million in Russia lending and counterparty exposure. Where you're um, having the banks, I think where you're seeing some of the reserves building are, um, you know, p- potentially the large corporate um, large multinational corporations that somehow have an exposure and it's more just on sort of single name by name. And I think that is um, where we're seeing um, the exposure at Bank of America. I haven't seen all the details. Um, I gave you kind of a couple of the numbers that we saw in terms of the lending and counterparty exposure. Um, but but um, I think this really relates to some of the large corporates and it's small. I mean, despite the fact that they had some bills, they still had a 
uh, $362 million net reserve release. So that tells you certainly that the exposures are manageable. All right. Bloomberg Intelligence Senior uh, Banks Analyst Allison Williams with us this morning as we continue to watch those headlines on Bank of America's earnings cross the terminal. Uh, shares right now up about three-tenths of one percent. Right now we want to check what's going on in D.C. with some of the top stories there, including Ukraine seeking financial support at the spring meetings of the World Bank and International Monetary Fund in Washington. On ABC's This Week, Ukrainian Prime Minister Denis Shmiel said the war with Russia has his country running a deficit of about $5 billion a month. We need more sanctions from our West partners. We need more uh, ammunition to protect our country and European borders. We need uh, more finances to uh, support our people, our refugees, our internally displaced persons. Also making news, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky urging President Biden to come to Kiev. Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba tells CBS's Face the Nation it would be more than symbolic. A personal meeting between two presidents could also pave the way for new uh, supplies and uh, of weapons, of American rep- U.S. weapons to Ukraine, and also for discussions on the political, possible political settlement of this conflict. Face the Nation and This Week can both be heard every Sunday right here on Bloomberg Radio. And Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins is with us now from our 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. Looking ahead to these spring meetings of the World Bank and IMF, Emily, we know Ukrainian foreign ministers are in Washington. What kind of support are they looking for? What kind of support could they get? So as you mentioned, Nathan, they're currently running a budget deficit of about $5 billion a month, according to Ukrainian finance ministers. And they're seeking funding, they say, is needed for humanitarian as well as social obligations. Uh, we have her seeing reporting from the Wall Street Journal that the World Bank is planning a $1.5 billion funding package to support Ukraine. And certainly we've also seen the White House and, and other fo- uh, governments pledge additional monetary support to Ukraine as the war uh, is at the point where it's seems like it's going to be continuing for quite some time. And we've heard from a number of Ukrainian officials, including President Zelensky, looking for physical support for them from President Joe Biden. They're urging him to come to Kiev. What is the openness from the White House to that possibility? Well, Biden has said that he would like to go, but the reality is is that to pull off a trip of that magnitude, to have the security in place to make sure that Biden is safe, to make sure that this doesn't wind up escalating things with Russia, it's very complex right now. So U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, he told NBC this weekend they don't have any current plans, but we are hearing that the White House is planning to send another senior administration official. It won't be Vice President Kamala Harris. Jen Psaki uh, batted that down last week, but it could be a cabinet secretary or another top military official that winds up going to Ukraine on the U.S.'s behalf. All right. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins with the update from Washington, D.C. Emily, thank you. As always, read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg terminal. And you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington at Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Karen. 
All right, Nathan, thank you. 6.56 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked a top 50 national public university by U.S. News and World Report, and a top 10 for best career placement among public schools by the Princeton Review. More at NJIT.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Shanghai has reported its first deaths in the midst of China's biggest COVID flare-up. Tens of millions of people have been barred from leaving their homes as part of lockdowns. That's led to criticism that China's COVID zero policy is inflicting too heavy a social and economic toll. Pakistan is cutting electricity to households and industry as the cash-strapped country can no longer afford to buy coal or natural gas from overseas to fuel its power plants. The South Asian nation is struggling to procure fuel from the spot market after prices of liquefied natural gas and coal surged to records last month as the war in Ukraine exacerbated supply shortfalls. And a classified satellite for the U.S. National Reconnaissance Office has been launched into space from California. It was the first mission by the NRO to reuse a SpaceX rocket booster. The NRO is the government agency in charge of developing, building, launching, and maintaining U.S. satellites that provide intelligence data to senior policymakers, the intelligence community, and the Defense Department. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Futures this morning are moving lower. S&P futures down about 18 points. Dow futures down 83. NASDAQ futures are down 73. And the 10-year Treasury down on 5.30 seconds, the yield 2.84%, and the yield on the two-year 2.46%. Bloomberg surveillance straight ahead for Nathan Hager. I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a 1,000 global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.